So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, hanging out here with Umberto Garcia. We're going to get to him in just a second. Thank you for being here. Let me talk directly to you guys. Thank you so much for being here, uh, for tuning in, uh, for investing time and energy into the growth of your business. That's what I'm here for, is to help you grow your business. And we do that uh, by having conversations with people who have gone before us, with people like Umberto, who have built their own business and now who help other photographers do the same. You guys, it's crazy times right now. Can we address this? This is a this is going to be a very timely episode. Um, as we look around uh, with what's happening uh, in the world, it's 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 crazy times. Um, it's it's crazy times to be a business owner, and yet there is. Great opportunity in this. And, and what I would like to do is have a very timely conversation around the opportunities that exist. Uh, and so this range of conversation is going to take us from the opportunities that exist simply from some of the, um, the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, SBA loans, the CARES Act that's been passed, where are the opportunities that we have uh, to actually have support from the government within our business, but also looking forward into 2021. You know, while everyone's looking left, what's the opportunity to the right, right? Where everyone's under a rock, where is there um, space for us to grow our business? That's what we're going to be talking about. And so I've got Umberto Garcia with us today. And this is, you guys, every now and then, you know, I, I come across someone on, on the, in the world. So maybe at a conference or online, maybe in another podcast, and they, there's something about them that is uh, rather gripping. Maybe it's just like the clarity in which they speak. Maybe it's the knowledge that they have, the way they hold themselves. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but all I want you to know is that Umberto has grabbed my attention. There's so many educators, there's so many people who are out there talking and speaking and doing, and and most of them, you know, they kind of pass by me, like, you know, 
uh, just, I don't know. I just let him, it doesn't resonate. You guys, Umberto resonates with me. He's the owner of Photography to Profits. It's a marketing agency uh, for photographers to help them generate more leads, uh, focusing in, and this is what I actually really like about Umberto, is it's focusing in not just on Facebook ads, but the combination of Facebook and Google ads. And there's not very many who actually have a holistic approach like Umberto has here uh, with that Google ad um, uh, kind of component to it. And he now then helps, uh, you know, photographers navigate that space. He's half of the High Rollers Club, which is really, it's a, uh, it's a community for boudoir photographers. And that's actually where I was first exposed to what he was up to, seeing his trainings in there just completely blew my mind. And so I'm, I'm really excited to uh, introduce you uh, to Humberto Garcia. And the reason I'm having him in this episode is because even just on his own personal page, I've been following him. He's been tracking with uh, the opportunities that exist for photographers ever since the very beginning of this pandemic. As soon as the CARES Act um, was first kind of announced and and there was information that was getting released, um, he's been producing content on this subject, producing video content, he's sharing his own experiences. And there was really no one better that has um, that has actually gone through the process of applying for these loans, uh, understanding the difference um, that I could think of than uh, Umberto. And so everybody, welcome Umberto Garcia to the show. Umberto, how are you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm really good. Well, as good as I could be in a time like this, family safe, yeah. uh, family's healthy. And yeah, just looking forward to all the opportunities you know that we have now from what you've just mentioned through the recent bills that were passed. Um, and then opportunities in business, whether it comes to advertising for later in 2020, 2021, and specifically in the wedding community as well. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Um, well, so, okay, I normally am asking people like, hey, where are we calling from? So what room did you lock yourself in in order to have this call of your home? I always work from home. Uh, I actually, when, when I got out of the military four years ago, I moved into an apartment and was, it's kind of hard in Miami because it's very dense and kind of like a metro area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always worked from home. I used to have like eight employees that would come into my house and work. And it was, you know, they were kind of weirded out by it when we first started. Uh, but since then, I think about a year ago, we made the decision to everybody work from home because we didn't want to sit through traffic. We realized we could just use Zoom, Slack. So I'm, I'm in the same room I've been in for the last year, uh, which is we just kind of have like a dedicated office and have everything set up for, you know, calls like this, Zoom calls. Uh, so, yeah, I'm. It's not too much different other than my personal life after work hours, you know, not yes. anywhere dropping kids off at school. Yeah, this has been a wild experience. I feel like um, so, you know, we have a studio and, uh, and it's just a few minutes down the road. But after being home now this much, part of me almost feels like initiating like, uh, all right, two days a week. We're just going to work from home. Like I'm starting to get really used to it. Dare I say, enjoy part of the process of being here. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, the way that businesses kind of evolve and change, even coming out of, of, of that experience in itself, you know? Yeah, I'd say so. You know, I, I kind of had the fever of like searching for a commercial area or commercial, you know, office a couple months ago. And now looking back in hindsight, I'm so grateful I didn't, not just because of this, but you know, I, I had to talk with my team. We were doing like once every two weeks at my house still, and they were just like, dude, like, why do you want that overhead? You know, we, we work better from home anyways. We kind of mess around a lot in the office. Um, and I think they just, you know, they had some pretty good reasons, but I also think they didn't want to sit in traffic. So it saved us a couple thousand dollars a month not doing it. 
Um, so, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, okay. And I want to, I want to jump right into stuff here. So uh, there's kind of two angles that I'd love to have this conversation. I think the first angle is to address um, some of the direct support that has become available through the CARES Act for creatives. I, I would love to just have a conversation around that um, and and talk through our own experiences, the experiences that you have had in in applying for these loans, some of the differences that you've discovered, and then even for myself to share some of the, my own experiences. Um, and and then I, so I want to talk about some of the opportunities there that photographers can hopefully find immediate relief. Uh, from, but then also to then to pivot the conversation and to to discuss some of the opportunities that exist, um, future pacing a little bit more uh, into preparing for when we come out of this, and and what are the things that we can take advantage of now to really prop our business up and put us on the best possible um, uh, advantage uh, for twenty late 2020, 2021. and so. Maybe before we even start, let's let's just put a big, huge anchor on this, a big like asterisk, if you will, that uh, can correct me if I'm wrong, Alberto, but like neither you or I are uh, CPAs. We are not here to give financial advice. Um, these are just our experiences, um, our stories, um, our opinions on, on what we've uh, seen. Um, but that we hold no uh, uh, legal or financial uh, certification whatsoever. Is that clear? Yep, it's, that's definitely the case. Uh, and there are resources like the, you know, the SBA.gov's uh, phone line. They're answering pretty quickly. Um, and then there's also local business development centers if somebody wants more resources on top of you know, reaching out to the banks that they're going to be applying for these resources through and their state. Yes. Okay, good. That being said, I think one of the interesting things is you and I have both gone through the experience ourselves. We've actually taken all the steps. We we are photographers, we work with photographers, we've applied for all these loans, we've 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 seen a lot of the headaches that have come with it. And so I think that one of the benefits that maybe we hold is that we've we've actually gone through the process. We've done the work and we've kind of seen it all. I think sometimes my CPA is a little like, well, just go fill out that paperwork, go fill out that form. But it's kind of nice to maybe just to hear someone who's actually done it. They've gone through step by step and, and they know the kind of the pain you know, <laughs> uh, that, that they've gone through. So um, from the beginning, Umberto, you've t- kind of taken a... a um, and it, I'm going to say it, what it appears like is an attachment to the CARES Act and to what the SBA has been doing in regards to really making sure that you've been documenting and updating your community with content on this. Walk me through what was so fascinating and why you were um, kind of invested in these SBA loans from kind of the beginning. So the main thing that drew me to this was specifically that it's such a unique moment in time that it's very unprecedented. And I was in a Facebook group and I saw somebody kind of writing something along the lines of like, you know, I would never ask for government help. You shouldn't use this. And I thought about that because I normally, you know, I come from an immigrant family. My family's never used anything like this. My mom takes a lot of pride in that. So that's always kind of been stuck in the back of my head. Like I will never ask for any help like this. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? This situation isn't fair to the small business owners. It's not anybody's fault. It's not anyone's doing. No one's being, you know, whatever you want to categorize people. This is the equivalent of, you know, basically nature and the government running a truck through your restaurant window and then basically paying you for the damages. 
right? So I don't look at this as being like some sort of handout or being, you know, some sort of, I don't even, I don't know what you would call it. I see this as them basically recompensating you for the taxes you've been paying and basically helping you out for something that, you know, is just kind of a strange, natural and uh, social occurrence. So yes. going through that, I, I kind of realized as I was kind of looking into it, like, man, number one, this is really confusing. There's a p- ton of different options and a lot of moving parts. And if I'm feeling not like stressed out, but if I'm feeling like I'm kind of overwhelmed by some of these decisions right now, then I know a lot of people have these questions. And once I started kind of going live on my Facebook and putting it on YouTube and I just saw how many people were coming from Google and searching it. I started realizing like, wow, everybody has the same questions. You know, everybody's struggling, especially photographers specifically, because, you know, part of the issues they're having are from maybe lack of maybe tracking reporting from years past. Um, You know, a lot of businesses just have different structures, you know, in different entities types compared to maybe some other uh, industries, which makes it like a sole proprietor LLC, like that's what you're getting at. Yeah, just being in like a limbo where, you know, do I qualify for unemployment? Do you qualify for this kind of loan? You know, what if you pay yourself like this? And just all those variables together actually does make it to almost every single person's person's case is vastly different from another studio just down the street or, you know, another studio in a different town that might have just set things up differently. Yeah, no, you're right. There's, (laughs) And uh, I think what you mentioned, too, is like, you know, as creatives, I wonder if there's anything unique about our industry. Anytime I th- I'd like to think that there's something unique about our industry, I'm I'm usually um, surpri- pleasantly surprised or not so surprised that there isn't very much unique. <laughs> but I am curious though, if if being creatives, if like maybe the the financial record keeping side of things, maybe that's not quite our strong suit as a whole, like as an industry, maybe relative to, um, to a coffee shop or, or something along those lines. I'm not sure, you know? Um, and, and, and kind of the, the unique challenges that that's going to introduce, um, you know, to our space. And so, yeah, well, listen, I want to, I want to, I'm curious at some of the questions that you've seen kind of come up, uh, consistently in your live streams and in your YouTube uh, content, but maybe maybe we should put some terms around some things. That way, as we have a conversation around it, um, we we actually know what we're referencing. And so, it might be helpful to talk briefly about. And obviously, we could expand the whole episode; could literally just be about these two things. Um, but I'd love to talk briefly just about uh, you know the the two options for the SBA loans that are available right now, really the two main ones, I should say. Um, and and just kind of define the terms a little bit. Would that be helpful, Umberto? Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I I would say yeah. you know, even prefacing that really quickly, you know, there is a stimulus check. So people in 2018 or 2019 that made under a hundred thousand will be getting that. Uh, hopefully, direct deposited. If you've have your bank account set up with the IRS and you've been accepting refunds or paying into it, um, and then the other one, which is state, which is unemployment. So, like you said, those are. You know, the unemployment goes to the state stimulus is kind of, you know, automatic through the federal government. Those kind of work themselves out or you'll have to do research with your state for the unemployment. Uh, But then the two available loans are the EIDL and the PPP program. Well, just the PPP, right? The the (laughs) program to help people keep people on payroll. And there's a lot of confusion because they're both technically loans. And which means they have to be paid back. So 
on the onset, when these things were coming out, a lot of people were saying, well, you know what? Like, I don't want to take out a loan. Like, I'm already not making money now. So I don't even want to touch that. And I, I think it's, it's kind of confusing when you, when you think of it like that. But the term they've been using throughout all these bills is that they could potentially be forgivable if you use them for the right purposes. Okay. Now, the, the EID loan, um, that one there, let's expand upon on that in, in regards to the, the forgivable nature of that, because that one was announced first, correct? So yeah, EIDLs have been around for a long time. Like if your house was hit by a tornado, you would apply for that. You know, if your house was, you know, hit for with a hurricane, you would basically apply for that. And it's basically an economic injury disaster loan. And typically, you know, before this, because again, this is a little bit unprecedented, it was like, you know, a tree fell onto your coffee shop and you lost revenue because people couldn't get there, right? Then mm-hmm. you were affected. Um, but they started expanding the definition of who was inf- affected by this. So the people that are covered under this, it started ranging to, hey, look, if you've been sick, you're covered. If someone you know is sick, you're covered, right? If you have to take care of them. If your kids have to stay home from school and you have to, and you have, you lose work hours, then you're covered. If you know, you can't get to where you need to go or the places are shut down, then you're covered. So it started expanding it for this specific pandemic. Um, And what's interesting is this was kind of, because it already existed before, this is the one that people kind of narrowed in first. Um, And when they announced it and when they passed the CARES Act, they basically also said, look, if you apply, you can get up to $10,000. That would be automatically forgiven whether you are approved for the entire EIDL loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is that, you know, number one, it's, it, it wasn't very clear who, who rated what it also used to say that it would be within three days, but no one's seen it. And when I called the SBA, they basically said, Hey, it's three days after you're approved, which could take weeks. So yeah. people were kind of had this misconception, which even I did, right? Because when you appro- applied to it, it said, Hey, within three days, you'll get a quick advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just hasn't been happening. Uh, but yeah, the EIDL is something that has always existed. They've kind of changed it a little bit for COVID. Mm-hmm. It itself is not forgivable. So if you go take it, those $10,000 don't have to be uh, repaid, the advance. Everything else does. The only way it can be forgiven, which I'm going to say most people have applied for this one because it's a very quick form on the website. I think it's only... Mm-hmm. You went through it, right? It took like four or five minutes. Yeah, I went through it for a couple of my businesses. <laughs> yeah, so it took four or five minutes and you went through it. And it was kind of like at the end, you're kind of like, wait, is this it? Because you just put your bank account number and you're like, this is almost too good to be true, right? Yeah, there was like no, they didn't even ask for, there was like no paperwork. There's nothing I needed to like sign or like submit. It was just some like check boxes. Yeah, so... So that one, of course, has disappointed a few people just because of the wording on it when it first was released. But I think people are getting more clear on that now. Uh, But again, that's not forgivable. The only way that one's forgivable is if you refinance it into the second option, which is the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP. And that's kind of confusing because the SBA EIDL, you you can basically apply through it through the SBA website. Mm -hmm. And the PPP, you have to actually go through a bank, which I know you've recently done. I have. And even that was a bit of a headache for me. Um, well, and, and let's just address this. I mean, it, it, it feels like there's a little bit of like a moving target, right? Um, kind of like we, we, you just brought up with the ID loans. 
where the it kind of keeps getting the the wording the clarification keeps getting updated you know so far i haven't seen them completely flip-flop on anything but it's just like the 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 clarity is like oh it's not three days it's three days after you get approved you know what i mean or it's not that you'll get ten thousand it's up to ten thousand so there's these little things that keep kind of getting clarified and clarified and clarified um and so, yeah, with the with the PPP, I believe it was supposed to be available on the third um, was when it was rolling out. And I had actually I had a I had a um, scheduled um, appointment with my bank. They were like, hey, we're ready on the third. We're all good to go. They scheduled me as going to be the very first person in that they were going to um, sit down with for the application. And then uh, the third, which is this Friday, it, it rolled around and um, I get a call. Hey, don't come in, uh, yeah. you know. Every, everything's yeah. in disarray. We don't know what's going on. We're not ready to, to accept, you know, your application. We're not ready to meet. And it's just been this kind of back and forth conversation. And so, uh, adjusting what's your experience been, um, applying, um, for let's actually have your, I'd love to hear your experience applying for the, the EID. It sounds like it was pretty painless for you. The EIDL. The yeah. The EIDL. Yeah. I mean, that was, three pages. I was really surprised by the time we were done. And I was like, wait, this can't be this easy. Um, so I'm not contrasting that with the PPP. Yeah. So the EIDL was simple. The PPP was definitely a more rough rollout, uh, mainly because the PPP requires so much more paperwork. Uh, it's way more thorough. It actually does ask you kind of poignant questions. And then it seems like when the banks are asking you for these documentations, they're actually going to have to verify it where the EIDL was self-certification you basically just had to say you were affected and answer some basic questions. This parts of it are kind of self-certification, but for the most part, there is going to be, you know, it seems like a lot more vetting behind this one because it can be forgiven and they have to basically make sure that the uses that you're uh, going to use it for are actually going to be forgivable, if that makes sense. It does. The other interesting thing that I've seen come up in regards to the PPP is that there there's certain um restrictions or 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 um uh qualifications there's there's expectations of what you're going to need to submit um and there's ways that you can use the funds that are forgivable but then from what i've seen and, and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this or if or if i'm wrong or or whatever but i've also seen that um however it's also up to the bank and whatever what whatever else they want, whatever other documents they want, whatever other expectations they have. Um, Have you seen that to be true? Oh, for sure. So when I started putting this content out, I started having people, you know, message me without which with whatever was, you know, the hottest topic of the day, you know, so I started hearing different responses about the unemployment, started hearing different responses about the EIDL. And then when the PPP came out, I started hearing a lot of different things from people, right? So there were some banks that were, asking for two years of everything and asking for way more documentation. And even for me, when I was looking for banks online to accept it, they varied very drastically from each other. I even had someone tell me that in, I think it's like South, they're in South Dakota. They told me that their bank wasn't going to be working with people that weren't basically using like payroll software, which is not in any way, shape or form worded in any of the, you know, the bills. It's not worded in the laws that were passed. It's almost more of a convenience for that bank specifically. 
And, you know, people go to social media and then they start passing these rumors around like, hey, look, you know, this bank denied me because I'm a, you know, sole proprietor. This doesn't work for people. And it's really hard, right? Because then you have anecdotal, you know, kind of like anecdotal accounts of people saying what certain banks are doing because they're not all extremely consistent with each other. And then people are taking that to heart and then they might be discouraged from applying to any of these. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion is, is, you know, do your research, go through. um, At first, it was kind of slow to go through big banks. It seemed like the smaller banks were a lot more agile, right? Like the, you know, you can imagine 400,000 employees from Chase is probably a lot harder to train all of them and change all their systems for them than it is for like a bank with like 20 people. Yeah. So if you're listening to this now or after this recording... I would suggest, you know, your best bet to probably get the most consistent experience would probably be to go with someone like Chase, to go with someone like, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Yeah, where I have seen the bank. yeah some, of the, some of the banks, even the big ones are requiring different things. Like, you know, you had to have a loan with them before, or you had to have mm-hmm. an account with them before. Mm-hmm. And I think that on top of, you know, just kind of the understanding of the law, because most people haven't read all 900 pages makes it even more confusing than it really has to be. Uh, Real but quick, I, I, you said most people haven't read all 900 pages and you said that as if you've read all 900 pages. Is that true? I haven't read the 900 because there's a lot of, there's a lot of wording for a bunch of other things, but f- from page like one to a hundred and something pretty much, because that's where it is small business and yeah, kind of front loaded in there. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love it. Okay, cool. That's what I like about you is you actually read the bill, <laughs> which is sweet. Um, so so then, okay, I want to talk now directly to the photographers who are listening to this that um, maybe they're they're in year one, year two, that they just went full-time, that maybe they quit their job, their day job, like last year, you know, and so 2000, maybe they, they quit the beginning of 2019. They had a full year where they were full-time as a photographer. Um, but they hadn't quite worked out all the kinks in regards to how they were going to pay themselves, how they were going to, you know, they didn't have a set up payroll accounting system. And so, um, for starters, you know, as far as you understand, um, the PPP, it can be used even as a sole proprietor. It can. And I'm, I actually have it pulled up in front of me right now. Um, but as of April 3rd, they were taking applications for sole proprietors and for small businesses. And then starting April 10th, they're taking applications from independent contractors and self-employed individuals. Um, they can also use it. I know that it's kind of it's kind of hard, right? Because somebody who only works for themselves or you know, maybe they're a hair and makeup artist, maybe they're just a wedding photographer. And like you said, maybe they've only made a couple, you know, $20,000 and they've had a lot of expenses. I think the thing to remember here is that this is not like a free for all for people to just get money. Um, if you can't request like forty thousand dollars, yeah, and and the equation is very specific. And th- there's also another disconnect here because the equation for how much you can actually get is very different for what you could actually use it for. So mm. the example I use is you know imagine you're a wedding photographer and you have you know, a second shooter, an editor in-house or studio manager, whatever. And between the three of you, you guys make $10,000, right? After all your expenses, your payroll is 10,000. Okay. Well, the equation is 10,000 times 2.5, which would give you 25,000. But then the bill specifically says that you can use it for utilities, 
rent, payroll, and then, you know, like mortgage interest and some other small things in there. So people assume they're like, wait, so my rent is in there. Now can I add and multiply my rent in there as well? And the answer is no. This is primarily to be used for, again, it's called the Paycheck Protection Program. So the fact that you have a payroll, that that 2.5 multiple, it kind of is supposed to cover you for at least two months and then give you some extra money to use for that those applicable uh, expenses. Mm-hmm. So I have found that, you know, for, you know, if, if you're talking about somebody who's maybe even smaller than that or has just had a lot of costs and you haven't really had a payroll, whenever you get to the application portion of this, which I encourage everyone to do anyways, just go in, answer the questions, see, see if you qualify, see what the numbers look like for you. If, even if you don't have an accountant, the bank will be quick to either tell you you don't qualify or maybe, you know, give you a very small amount, but it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to realize, you know, look, if, if you've been in the red for the last, you know, 12 months and you haven't had a payroll, this probably won't cover you the way it would cover another studio that had six employees, you know, was profitable and did have, you know, at least proper accounting of paying the owner and paying the employees. Yeah. Now, the the proper accounting portion, you know, for someone who's listening and maybe one month they pay themselves $400 and then the next month is a better month. And then they take a, you know, and they pay themselves, let's say $4,000. And there's kind of an inconsistency across that. How um, Have you seen how that will end up playing out? Is it kind of an average monthly uh, payroll, you know, does, 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 it, does it just average out? Yeah. So it's, there is, a, there is quite a few p- paragraphs that cover this. And basically, like if you're a seasonal, you know, if you're a seasonal uh, employer, right? So maybe a photographer might fall under this, maybe not. Maybe. They give you a certain time range. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had your business for over, you know, since before the beginning of this year, then they tell you to average the last 12 months. If you have a new business, they tell you to average from January 1 to February 19th. You'll have to, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, just go triple check it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty accurate there, but the it, they'll basically tell you through your loan application documents, you know, how this, you know, how to actually calculate it. But you're right. You know, I've had people say, oh, you know, I've been in business for six years. I had one month of 400, you know, in January. Well, that's okay. You know, as long as that averages out over the last 12 months, that'll be your average. It'll just be calculated in there. And the fact that they ask for, all the documentation, they're going to ask you for your 940s, your 941s, your yearly taxes. They're going to be able to verify that as well. So, All right, podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick pause here in order to give a thank you to the supporters of the SFP podcast, because if you're listening, it likely means that you have a small business or you know someone who does. And if this is you, you are wearing far too many hats. And some of these hats are amazing, right? Like being a photographer, but some like filing taxes, running payroll, not so great. This is where Gusto comes in. This is the solution, you guys. Gusto, G-U-S. T.O. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982 and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh, This is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um, They make like like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh, incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old 
school clunky payroll providers, the one that I was on that I just left, uh, they just weren't built for the way that the small modern business uh, is meant to work. But Gusto is. You guys, no joke. I got really excited because I switched to Gusto before they contacted me uh, to come on as an advertiser. I'm like, this just makes sense. I actually use this thing. Um, the really cool thing, too, is everything is online. Like the ability to sign, store, and organize all the employee documents, it's all online. It's all in one place. You guys, let Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, it gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. Do you remember when you started your photography business? Like it was no small feat. It took late nights. It took early mornings. It took the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Uh, our friends at FreshBooks, they have the solution. So FreshBooks is invoicing and accounting software, and it is designed specifically for small business owners, not like massive shops, small business owners. It is simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized. Uh, well, then uh, for me, it's it's like the bottom drawer of like my Ikea furniture, but maybe you're like the shoebox kind of person with the crumbled receipts. Either way, with FreshBooks, you create and send professional-looking invoices in like 30 seconds tops, and then you get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time, which is my biggest downfall is that organization for tax time. And here's the best part. With FreshBooks, it grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. So join the 24 million people who have used FreshBooks. There's a 30-day free trial. There's no catch. There's no credit card required. 30 days free. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography. Freshbooks.com forward slash photography and enter six-figure photography. And how did you hear about us? That's the little section there. How did you hear about us? Six-figure photography. You guys, at this point... Let's hop back to the show. Yeah, I, I had I had a little mini panic attack when so so compared to this stuff stresses me out like big time, right? So like anytime you anytime I get a, an email from someone like my accountant asking for a, a tax document or, or I need to submit something or file for something, just like oh, just the the notion of like trying to collect a document that has all these records, it just yeah, I don't know, it just stresses me out. And so when I saw what was going to be required for the PPP, I started to get a little anxious about the whole thing. I got to say, this is not a plug for Gusto, but it's about to be a plug for Gusto. And ironically, Gusto is a, a sponsor of the podcast, but this has nothing to do with that. I'm actually just a user. Are you, are you familiar with Gusto, by the way? Yeah, it's a, like a professional employment uh, organization. Yeah, and, yeah, and they do payroll for you. They do payroll processing. Um, but it's the thing I love about it is it's so easy. It's just like an app on your phone. Uh, it has uh, everything can just be operated directly in your phone. It's incredibly user friendly to use. But when this all hit, a little thing popped up on my Gusto app that said, hey, want to apply for the PPP? And then it said, you qualify for, and it told me exactly what I qualified for based off of they did, they were able to just run all the internal numbers based off of the data that they had from me using them for the last year. 
So it told me exactly what I qualified for. I clicked a button and then it just spit out like, you know, four of the documents that I needed to submit. Um, and it was a breeze. It was silly how I like, I actually, I literally laughed to myself. Like it brought me so much joy. <laughs> yeah. But it just like, it just gave me everything I needed. And it was, um, it was just a really good reminder of like, it was a time like this too, where like the, the fact that I could just call my accountant, you know what I mean? Like to have someone like that, that you could, that you can call it. And so I also just want to plea, like a, make a plea for photographers to, to make sure that they have a, you know, an accountant that they're working with probably. And, and listen, I may not know, but I'd say maybe it's somebody not like H&R Block. Maybe it's someone at least that you have a relationship with. Do you have any advice on that, Umberto? Yeah, so I, I think I, me and you might have talked about this over PM, but the most important book I've ever read, uh, especially when it comes to my business, was Profit First. So that by itself made it so I was at least very organized and very conscious of how we made money, how much money we kept, and how we paid taxes. So mm-hmm. that system and that thought process by itself helped. Uh, the next thing is is you know, we got on an accounting software. Nowadays, there's, you know, Wave, there's Zero, there's QuickBooks Online. I normally suggest using the simplest one that you can manage yourself. Um, and at the minimum, maybe getting an accountant to go back 12 months and help you unmess up your books. Um, <laughs> and then at least, you know, create rules and make it as automatic as possible. Because things like QuickBooks, you know, after you use it for a couple months and you've set all the rules up, it almost runs itself automatically and all you have to do is hit run report and, and so on. Um, but on your point of Gusto, I it actually isn't a PEO. I misspoke on that, but it is a payroll and HR software. And you're mm-hmm. right. We use one as well. And it just makes it so much easier to be in compliance with everything, pay all of our taxes on time. And then, you know, for times like this, you know, have reports so that we're able to properly report and, you know, give our employees like, a central hub location where they're very, you know, they feel secure. They feel they're worth a professional organization and they know how they're going to get paid. Pay stubs are automatic and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but for the smaller photographer at the minimum, be on some sort of software system like that, at least get somebody to maybe help out the last 12 months, set up some automation rules. And then, you know, like me, I personally, I do have a bookkeeper that we pay, you know, just give an example. You could pay anywhere between 50 to a hundred dollars a month. And they'll help balance your books. And then at the end of the year, we pay him a little bit more and he does both of our taxes, right? Our corporate filings and my personal filings. And I know it, it sounds a little bit you know, meticulous, but at the end of the day, the peace of mind that we get from it, the organization, just the knowledge I have from how much my employees cost to you know how much everything costs me to actually run, like it, ca- it cannot be replaced even if that software costs 30 bucks you know, and the bookkeeper costs a little bit. It's just such great peace of mind. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is just starting, starting an account, getting your hands dirty, importing your stuff. And, you know, if you haven't been keeping track and like you said, like now, if you're trying to go do the PPV, there's people that are like, Oh my God, now I got to go hassle my accountant, which it's almost the end of tax, you know, well, I think they extended it, but most tax, most accountants, most bookkeepers are super busy trying to get taxes done that you throw something on this like them, you know, you might be waiting, you might become their least favorite client. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I wonder too, and I don't know, but you know, having those documents just, um, formatted structured directly from Gusto, which is like, you know, certified payroll, you know, um, processor, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
I think I I wonder too if it'll help to expedite the 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 loan application process, like or at least even just to help to validate it too, where it's not just like a, a random spreadsheet of numbers. Um, it's just all clearly laid out. It's kind of like what you mentioned, the bank maybe uh that was only taking uh uh applications from people who had, you know, a software like this, just because it makes it so much easier for them. Yeah, I I would say it it probably makes it a lot easier for all parties involved, but it's not to say that um at the end of the day, if you, if you get the information and you've been reporting your taxes and you're paying your quarterly estimates and you're paying your self-employment tax, if you have it, at the end of the day, you still have the same information, maybe just in a different, uh, different style or a different, uh, you know, group of documents. So I'm not going to discourage anyone and say, Hey, you're screwed. If you don't have this, that's not, no, the yeah. Case. And that wasn't the, the intent. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it just, it just makes it. So now you have to be more familiar with, you know, what, actually, what are payroll documents? You know, how, how did you file and pay your payroll taxes? You mm-hmm. know, how are you documenting and, you know, how are you paying for group benefits if you have them? It just, it, it's going to be a little bit more messy, I guess, but all the banks do give you kind of like a list of what you need to submit. And if you have any questions, you could just, again, call the SBA or call that bank if they're not completely under manned and try to get a hold of them and ask them what's acceptable. Yeah. Can I encourage everyone too? This is a great, uh, one of the, um, how do I put this? Uh, know your bank. My, my plea as an encouragement is to, to build relationship with, um, the people at your bank. Um, and it, you know, one of the things that just from my own experience, Umberto is, um, as this is all kind of come about, the money's also going pretty quickly, right? Like it's not unlimited funds and they may release more, but like the, the money's moving. And, um, you know, I got a personal email from, uh, one of the, um, people at my bank. It wasn't like a mass email. It was a personal email directly to me, um, from Allie, <laughs> I won't say her last name, um, just reaching out and saying, Hey, um, this is where we're at. The, you know, th- it's moving quickly. You're going to need to do X, Y, Z. But like, um, and then again, she followed up again with me just before I started this podcast saying, hey, heads up, they're going to be, you know, just giving me like this very clear um, feedback and advice, kind of taking care of me more or less. Um, and it, it was just such a, um, it just made me again, just kind of sit back and smile, just knowing that I have that relationship with someone at my bank that like, um there's more, like I'm more than just like a, uh, a random number, you know what I mean? Like to this big banking industry. Um, and so if you haven't, if you haven't done that, if you haven't introduced yourself, uh, to whoever you're banking with, um, I would encourage you to, to begin that process to actually go into your bank, um, at, at least, um, you know, once a month, instead of just going through the, the line or the car with the, with the drive through whatever, and just say hi and just connect with them and, and treat them like someone who is, uh, an actual, maybe even like for the wedding photographers out there, treat them like a wedding vendor. You know what I mean? Like the way that you may, you may treat, uh, a florist or something like treat them like actually maybe come in and, and give them a thank you card, you know, just for like, for, for, for being, you know, um, someone that you trust and someone who supports you and your business. Uh, it's just been really refreshing having a, someone in the bank industry have my back, 
you know, literally tell me like, Ben, they're going to be, you know, making this change. You need to make sure that you do this, this, this ASAP. It's just been really nice. Um, anyhow, is that something that you've discovered too, um, Umberto? Yeah, I will say, um, you know, I had a conversation with somebody about a year ago and I, I didn't really believe it when I was having the conversation because they were kind of like, you know, I like it where people know my name. And what ended up happening was that person was at a major bank and they had applied for like a line of credit. And I think they, you know, they had a really big payroll. So they wanted close to half a million dollars to keep running their business just in case, right? It was just kind of like a, just in case things go crazy. I have enough like for a year to pay payroll. Yeah. And the big bank wouldn't, wouldn't up the amount and you know, they, they rated it. The big bank just, you know, you're just kind of like another number they put into a calculator and they said, Nope, we can't increase it for you. So they basically cut that bank off or they just kind of didn't go with them. And then they went to their local, you know, credit union and the credit union gave them two and a half times what the bigger bank was going to give them. Mm. And again, it was just a line of credit. It wasn't like he had to use it. He didn't take the loan out. It was just available for times like this, right? If, yeah. Know, maybe if a contractor didn't pay him, if he had an, uh, a client who just, you know, didn't pay him on time, he would still be able to cover his payroll for, you know, a year. So kind of like a contingency, mm-hmm. um, especially now, you know, not having that relationship and um, just seeing what it's like potentially, you know, specifically having bigger banks being slower to move. And it's, it was, it was almost consistent across the board. Every big bank was just so much slower. And I think even in the national media, um, a lot of the small credit unions, a lot of the smaller banks were getting, you know, really high praises. Most people were reporting that they were, they were having to go to the small banks. Um, and like you said, the u- utilization rate for the PPP has been pretty high within, I think this, by the end, by the middle of the second business day that it was open, I think about 11% of it was already allocated. So if you can account for almost every day, 10% is going and being used, it might be going down a little bit every day, but you know, it's not going to last that long. So at the minimum, whether you think you qualify, you know, if you have a business, even if it's just for yourself, this does cover independent contractors, self-employed, apply for both, apply for the advance and apply for the PPP. And, you know, if, if you start filling out the documents and you know you haven't been ultra profitable or you know you don't really have that the payroll expense expenses, you know, just be just be aware that the amounts might be a little bit lower. That's that's what I, that's what I would definitely suggest at the end of this is apply for it. If you don't need it, great. Uh, and if you do get it, then, you know, then take too much work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Awesome. I think, uh, this will be interesting to see how everything crumbles. I got one last question for you, Umberto, before we move on to, uh, maybe looking on the upside a little bit, looking at some opportunities and, 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 and I want to leave, uh, I want to leave there maybe to be a little runway for this. Cause maybe we could have another conversation to talk, uh, again, um, about some of those opportunities or, or, or maybe even a different platform as well. But I'd love, to, I'd love to get inside your brain in terms of some of the, some of the opportunities, um, but my last question for you is this, and um, had, do you know, any, have you heard anything yet from anybody who's actually received any um, issuance of funds from either loan? No, I haven't. I, I don't think it's going to be for at least a couple of weeks. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was seeing too. I just, I'm just curious. It's like, man, is any, what's going on? Okay. Yeah, I agree. Probably a couple of weeks. I, I would say, you know, to go on a little bit further on that topic, kind of, cause you were talking about opportunities. Mm-hmm. I, I do see an opportunity right now. Um, although of course 
this is, you know, one of the hardest times, you know, maybe a century that people are going through, especially the economy. Um, but I was recently listening to Peter Schiff, just kind of like flashbacks of 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And he kind of talked about it. He was kind of talking about how people were over leveraged. Businesses had taken out too much debt. Uh, people weren't very profitable because they were overspending and they weren't very liquid. Mm-hmm. And just kind of talked about a, re- a correction in the sense that, you know, the people that uh, do provide the best service, that do provide the best value, have the best marketing and operate their businesses with the most fidelity, right? That save the most amount of money that are the most profitable. And specifically, I was kind of thinking of photographers when he was saying this, he was just saying, you know, when everything bounces back, some things might contract a little bit, but that's really going to give opportunity to the people that are the best at what they do to, you know, to just basically when everybody rushes back to the market and even with weddings right now, you know, there's photographers that are still even pushing harder uh, to book for twenty end of 2020 for photographers to book for 2021. And they're booking, they're having to make some contingencies, but they they have their feet on the gas pedal because when we, I think when we, even before we started talking about this, me and you were talking that this is just a contingency right now. And this is not what's going to save your business over the next 10 years, right? None of these programs are, no matter how big your payroll is. Yes. But what will sustain you and will, will sustain your family and, you know, your financial legacy will be, you know, what business development you can do now, uh, what business opportunities or, you know, clients, bookings, everything, traffic to your website, you know, all those key metrics and how you come out of this on the other side. I think that's going to have a much bigger impact over the long run. Maybe right, right now it doesn't feel like it, but for the people that have their heads down that are, you know, doing things that will ultimately get them more clients, I do think that they're going to come out of this and they won't have felt or have the same experience during this as, you know, maybe some other businesses would. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, even this week, man, we've got we've got four new client meetings on the Cal. I just did a new client meeting right before our call uh, with someone who's getting married here um, January 2nd, 2021. It, it might as well be a 2020 wedding. It feels like it, you know, and they're that early in the in the 2021 calendar year. Yeah. But um, we've got four, I mean, four new client meetings. So like um, people are still planning weddings. Um, people are still looking to hire photographers. Um, and, and there's opportunity there. And, and I think a lot of this too is going to be a mindset conversation as well. How many people are going to get locked up in their head, uh, and paralyzed, you know, by a lot of this too, um, will be an interesting conversation. Uh, I, I want to hit on your wheelhouse here for a hot second. And, and we won't be able to expand upon this in great detail. We, we've already been talking for a while here. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to get back together. Uh, and, and have a further uh, conversation on it. But I, but I do want to hear from you, you know, on some of the direct opportunities that are available right now, when you look at kind of the, the, the marketing landscape and where, where so many businesses are, um, reacting defensively, what are the opportunities marketing wise that you are seeing for the companies that are going to be on the offense? Yeah. So even within my company and whenever I talk to the photographers that we work with, right? Because anytime I work with them, I'm basically their chief marketing officer. We look at kind of like a three-prong approach right now. 
And number one, specifically with events. So if you're doing people are doing wedding booths, you know, if they're doing weddings, it's keeping the clients you already have. That goes a really long way, right? Because when this initially started, people thought, hey, you know, I'm going to get a huge rush in for refunds. So doing whatever we can to work with our clients to basically hold on to that, be flexible, move on to the next wedding date. Uh, and by the way, really quick, if I ask you, like, have you had to reschedule, you know, what percentage has been refunding and how have you guys been keeping people? Yeah, we've had 16 couples uh, move their date. It's a lot of couples. <laughs> and that's all. If you, I wanted you guys to settle in on this number. So it's 16 couples. You know, we're, we're going to expect around 10 grand a couple. And so that's $160,000 that is, has, has the potential to be lost. Right. Um, and um, so we've had 16 couples. Let me actually, let me pull up, <laughs> let me pull up my spreadsheet here. I'll give you the exact date. Actually, I know it by hair, of my heart, but I'll pull it up anyhow. We've had 16 couples move. Um, however, out of the 16 couples that moved, we've had um, one, only one move to a 2021 calendar date. Um, we've had, uh, 16, um, okay, hold on, 13, okay, 13 of them already rebooked, re-signed an addendum to their contract for a new date for 2020 that we were able to make happen, okay, all, all on Fridays, um, we didn't have to do any Sundays, so they're all on Fridays for 2020, so 13 of the 16 uh, re-signed uh, an addendum. And then there's two that are currently still pending right now. So we're, we're still working with two to find out what's going to happen. Um, if they're going to completely cancel, they could. If they're going to uh, book for a 2020 date or a 2021 date, not sure yet. Verdict is still out. Um, but Ben Adams, he's my partner. He and I just got together this morning and we went through the this, this spreadsheet. We went through all the count, the the. Um, all of our clients had another conversation. Where are the next steps? Where are we at? How is everything looking? But um, honestly, it's, we're looking really, really great. And I think there's a number of reasons that that led to that. But maybe that's also another <laughs> another yeah. conversation. Yeah. So I think you know. So number one, that's definitely number one is hold on to the business that you have. You know, be flexible. You know, be accommodating and try to work with people. Uh, and then the next one is obviously trying to get new clients. So specifically for weddings, what we've been doing is we've been going in and maybe changing some of the headlines to kind of address the fact that it's going to be late 2020 um, to address that we're, they're going to, we're, they're going to be flexible with, you know, the current events uh, and even adding like ad extensions in there to try to get more clicks for people. Cause we know that's going to be an objection already. So we're already looking at how can we, you know, how can we hit that on the front end? Is it an announcement bar on the website? Is it ads on the front end? Is it through our phone script? And the answer is all of those. Um, but definitely keeping an ad budget, especially on Google. Um, there are some photographers right now that, especially wedding, that are booking into the future. So I would not be discouraged. And then the other thing is uh, looking at maybe some alternative offers. So most wedding photographers are I, I kind of claim that they're probably the most talented because they have to, I mean, everybody knows why, right? Like you guys have to do everything in every single different scenario with every single type of subject and in every location you can imagine not being able to control light sometimes. Yeah. So if you're that talented, like, can you go back to your clients and make some sort of offer, right? Can you get them into some sort of follow-on session 
Can you try to get referrals from them? Can you try to reconnect and rekindle um, and get either follow on sessions from them or get referrals from them? So just kind of looking at that three prong approach of like, you know, keep existing business, get new business, and then try to see if we can't revive old business or try to get referral from other businesses. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the photographers that are looking at this time and going through those steps kind of systematically and really attempting it are coming out of this and saying, you know what, it's not as bad. Like not everyone is doomsday right now. You know, people do know that this is going to go back to normal and, you know, they're going to be on top of it and they're going to, you know, kind of leapfrog some people that, you know, might've shuttered their doors a little bit early or they're projecting. Cause I, I even had a client that before we had a conversation, she, I was like, Hey, well, you know, why aren't you booking this week? And she's like, I haven't asked people on the phone. I feel like they're going to be insulted or I feel like they're not going to want to book. And I was like, you know, that's, do you know, all of them feel like that? And she's like, well, no, but I feel like that. So we went kind of and started talking through that and she quickly changed her tone. She changed her offer and started realizing, look, if I don't even ask people to book with me that are inquiring from Google, then it's going to be really rough. We're making it harder than it has to be, right? Yeah. Especially if they're talented, especially if they have a history of booking in the past. So just small things like that, you know, like not self-sabotaging, but, you know, having ideas in our head that kind of stop us from treating people like they want to be treated, right? Like if somebody's inquiring, you know, about uh, some sort of service or product, it's kind of strange to just automatically assume that every single person is just doing it out of boredness instead of out of a desire to actually book your services. Yeah, it's huge. I often, you know, tell people that I'm coaching as well, like stop spending other people's money, stop spending other people's time, you know, deciding for them where they're going to invest their time or not. Maybe they, maybe they want to talk to you on the phone. Don't spend their time for them. But kind of like what you just said, and I don't know, I don't know the exact analogy, but like, you know, it's almost like she was um, forcing her feelings on the client, you know, like, um, you know, she felt scared. And so she's like, well, everyone else must be scared too. And I don't know exactly the the angle that I would take to express that, but it felt like it was in a similar train of thought of, of spending other people's time and other people's money. Um, it's like making somebody feel things that they're not feeling. Um, you know, th- I love what you said about the retaining, uh, retaining, uh, essentially a current client for future work. And, and some of the people who listen to the podcast who are in the mastermind group of mine, you know, maybe they're solely wedding photographers. I actually want to encourage you, if you are solely a wedding photographer and you thought to yourself, well, they already got married. That was it. Can I tell you, you know, I've been married for 10 years now and I've hired a photographer on three occasions um, just because I wanted more pictures of just Leslie and I. Right. Of like I couples, they actually miss the opportunity to like, even when they have kids or if they don't have kids, but to go out and and update pictures together and to create new photographs, new memories, professional images of, of the two of them. Right. Maybe without wedding attire and maybe when they weren't kids, when they got engaged, but fresh photographs that are romantic and that are kind of like an engagement session, but it's like a it's like a couple session. And um, and you can plant that you can plant that desire in, in somebody like they don't have to have come up with that idea. Um, and you may be surprised at, at where, um, where people want to be spending their money. And so uh, it's a great, it's a great suggestion that you just gave. I love the, the trifecta, the triforce, if you will. Yeah. Oh man. Umberto, 
I want everyone to know where they can find you. I want people to be um, to be following what you're up to. Where where can people um, find you online? Yeah, I would say my latest passion project and what takes up most of my time is thehighrollersclub.io. So thehighrollersclub.io, or if somebody is looking for more like a done for you or wants to see like exactly you know how my other 30 retainer clients work with me, it's photography2profits.com. So the word two, T-O, profits.com. Um, and if you just Google it, because you know, you, you'll probably find me if you type my name in there as well. It's awesome. And the, and the high rollers club, that's really, um, I'm sure there's value for, for multiple niches, but it's really targeted for the boudoir photographer. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say about 90% of the photographers we work with there are boudoir. Um, but every now and then I, I used to work with a lot of glamour, a lot of newborn, a lot of, you know, everything. Um, it, it just so happened that I found that boudoir was like the fastest to jumpstart the fastest to scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we really centered it around that, but we have photographers from other portrait genres joining us as well. So, you know, if you're curious, we have tons of free content. Um, Yeah. Cheat sheets. It's good. It's good content too, man. It's good. That's what I was trying to explain at the beginning of this. And I was introducing, it. I was like, it's so good. Like you're, I'm like, just, yeah, I'm on the edge of my seat all the time watching you with your little whiteboard. Or big whiteboard. Um, I love it, man. Um, Bertie, thank you for coming on here, um, for having this really timely conversation. Um, can I encourage people to follow you? Is that okay if I do that? Yeah, that's sweet. Personally, like you guys, you need to follow Umberto, especially if you're interested in, in uh, kind of what the SBA is doing and what other opportunities. He has a ton of live videos on his personal page um, of just kind of uh, what he's experienced. And it could be a great place to... Um, just to continue to, to see what other creatives are doing, how they're handling this, how they're thinking about this kind of stuff um, as well. So I'm ready to thank you again, my man. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. Podcast listeners, uh, listen, I've been in my house now uh, for I don't know how many days. I literally, I don't even know what day it is. It, is it Sunday? Anybody want to tell me? I don't know what day it is. Um, one of the ways that I've been staying super busy is in the Six Figure Photography Mastermind community. Uh, This podcast is actually getting broadcast, behind the scenes broadcast directly into the Mastermind group. And so I've been going live there every day uh, and trying to just give you guys things to do within your business, trying to help you give you incredibly practical um, live content uh, that's honestly some of the most valuable stuff that I've put out there. I'm getting out there every single day and into the mastermind group. And so I want to encourage you guys to go check it out. Sixfigurephotography.com forward slash mastermind. Uh, we'll, we'll drop you right in uh, to the free community. Um, I expect nothing from you when you join the mastermind group. Expect to accept to treat others with respect, to engage the content. Uh, and that's really it, right? Um, so you guys, thank you for listening to today's episode. I can't wait for you guys to go and, and learn more from Umberto. And otherwise, we'll see you in the mastermind community or on the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.